Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the good news, here's Angie. Hey there, friend. Angie Austin and Jim Stovall with the good news. We're talking about his winner's wisdom column. And this week, it's Think and Do It Now. And it's one of his favorite topics and mine as well, because I've really enjoyed over the years, the maybe decade or so that Jim and I have been radio friends. I really enjoyed getting to know about his parents. And he'd lost his mother not that long ago and then his father in the last year. And um, this is kind of a look back on, um, uh, in particular, your father's life. Is that right, Jim? Yeah, it's it's been uh, you know a, a difficult adjustment, but I'm so grateful. Uh, you know, as someone that writes books and movies and columns and talks to people like you on the radio uh, about things in life, I think that mattered. You know, I realize if everybody'd been raised by my parents, uh, I'd have to go get honest work. I, I don't know what I would do because uh, you know the you know so much of what I talk about, write about, make movies about is a reflection of them and. Today, you know, I, my father ran an organization, a nonprofit, with about 400 employees. And so he was a great executive, a great manager, and he was a huge list taker. I mean, he said, you don't go to the grocery store without a list, so yeah. you don't waste your time. You know, d- don't do your life that way. You know, you have to have a list of things you're going to do and make sure you get everything done every day. And, and you know, he was really big on that. And he had these little notebooks he would give out to all these people. You could fit it in your shirt pocket. And on on half of them, it said, think. And then he had another one that said, do it now. And I just thought they were two different sayings on there. And years later, I found out, you know, he told me, no, Jim, it's not random. There are some people I give the ones that say, think. And there's other ones, people I give the ones that say, do it now. You know, there are people that... Um, you know, they, they have a knee-jerk reaction, and they need to stop and think before they act. I want them to think about what you're getting ready to do before you act, because if you don't have time to do it right, when are you going to have time to do it over? And then there's other people, they just get the analysis paralysis, and uh, they sit around forever and never do anything, and those people get the little notebook that says, do it now. I oh, mean, just make funny. a move, do something. That would be so mine. I, just, I would need the do it now, because I've been meaning to clean my closet now for weeks. I, I need the do it now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and at some point, you put it on your book, and you just, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, that makes it serious. There's something about writing it down, and and I have a list every day of things I'm going to do, and I'm sitting here right now with it on my desk. I can't read it. Beth wrote it for me, but... I still, there's something about in our society, having it in writing makes it real, you know. If you, if you go somewhere and they say, well, they promised me this. Well, did they put it in writing? If you got it in writing, it's real. It, it's really going to happen. Well, if you write down for yourself, this is what I'm going to do today, it, it gets more real. It gets harder to do or not do. And uh, it's okay to do or not do things, but when we have a plan, we ought to implement. And, you know, that's what Dad was talking about, was just... Uh, you know, if you're going to live your life, live it on purpose. I mean, you know, you don't go to the grocery store. Why would you live your life, you know, missing stuff or forgetting stuff just because you didn't write it down? And, uh, you know, and how often do we, oh, I meant to do that, or I knew I wanted to call her for her birthday, or I should have sent him a card, or I forgot that, that, that event I really wanted to go to. And, you know, you miss so much of life. Not because it wasn't possible for you to go, but you just didn't get it down. And uh, that's the things that really frustrate me. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, I I think that having the list and, you know, I've got one and it's got like pretty important things on it and I might not even get to any of them in the week, but I know like it's there um, and that, you know, I've got to get that physical therapy arranged for my kid or braces or, you know, x-rays for something or whatever, but it's a pretty long list and there's a lot of stuff on it, but I gradually kind of pick away at it, maybe not as quickly as others, but since I've got it, that the list, I mean, nothing ever gets completely neglected. Yeah, and, it, you know, there's just so much learning to get it done. And, uh, you know, and then, yeah, as you know, I have a pending list. I mean, there's stuff I know I want to do, but it's not fitting in right now. So I put it over on my pending list, and the 15th of each month, I look at that. And it, well, is it time to do that now? Or do I look at it again next month? Is it time to do that yet? And there are things that uh, all of a sudden now it's time to do that. And... uh you know, and then I have a project list of books and movies I want to make and, you know, projects I want to do. And, you know, I believe great ideas or inspiration is a divine gift. It comes to us. And if you don't write it down, you're going to waste it. And then you're going to wake up one day and say, oh, yeah, I always wanted to do that. Or, you know, what's really bad is when you have a great idea to do something and you, you forget about it until somebody else does it. Wow, I had that idea six years ago. Well, the difference is they did and you didn't. And that's, uh, you know, you, you, you just don't want to be in one of those situations. Yeah, no, you do not. Now, when you say the 15th, I mean, I know you have a whole team around you. Do you have someone specific that really helps you with your organization? Do you do you have, you know, um, people that, you know, when you say the 15th, is that just you, you remember, or do you kind of have a, um, an organizer in your life, per se? No, it's on the calendar. On the 15th of the month, it, it, it's, it's on my daily list of things to do, go over the pending and the project list. And, you know, and since I am blind, I can't read or write these things, um, you know, I have a list here and I have one at home. And so uh, Beth helps me here in the office and Crystal, uh, my bride, helps me at home. And, uh, you know, and I don't separate personal from professional. I mean, people people here in my office, they know when it's my brother's birthday, Aww. it's time for me to go to this appointment. It's all together there. Yes, it's all that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then, okay, so Crystal was the one, your wife, that helped you all through college. She was kind of your um, you know, right-hand yeah. man, well, man, per se, that um, you graduated one and two in the class. Of course, her above you, because if she's helping you, she wants to make sure she gets that upper, uh, one leg up on you. And so you two were, you know, first and second in the class. So she's continued over the years to be like the person who assists you kind of uh, is your teammate through life when it comes to organizing, keeping track of things and, you know, keeping your life orderly at home as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when she goes out of town or on her trip, she has her projects, she does, and uh, she'll get everything organized before she leaves so that I can survive. And, um, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, you know, we, we do things together and we have a little different distribution of labor just because of uh, my situation and but there's a lot of things I cover for her and she'll cover for me and you know it's just uh, it's just great to get everything done and and feel like you know okay I'm ready for tomorrow there are so many people they've got all these random things in their life that uh, and they never feel like they can relax they always ought to be doing oh, something yeah. and, and you know it, it's just bad you know it's nice to get everything marked off my list get tomorrow's list and go home and realize, okay, I'm, I'm, I get to play until tomorrow. Now you're so busy. Is your relaxation reading that one book a day that you do? 
Yeah, part of that is, you know, I read my book every day, and, and yeah, it's relaxing, And but it's also my business. I mean, I've written over 50 books, so uh, reading books is, is kind of my business, and it's it's what I do. So, uh, uh, you know, so it's a little business, and it's a little pleasure all at the same time. Hmm. Uh, I, just as a side note, my mom's been reading these Rick Bragg books, and one of them, I think, some somebody's man, somebody, oh, whatever his mom's name was. So let's say it's Susie's man. But um, she, this particular book I read maybe 15 years ago, and I thought, oh my gosh, that really reminds me of my mom's life. So she just called me the other day and said, "You've got to read one of these Rick Bragg books. They're so good, and it just really makes you think, and it kind of reminds me of my own life." And I've always thought to myself that as I've interviewed my mom here and there over the years, thinking maybe I'd write a book that he'd be the great person to like do it with. He's so he's such I just really enjoy his writing style. And I don't read like you do. In fact, I'm embarrassed to tell you and I'm sure I have before that on my audible, I start a book at night. And right now I'm listening to one on the um, Astor family um, from, you know, like, I think it starts in the 1700s. And it's about the original, you know, Astor, uh, a man who grew to fame and prominence through his um, he was a I didn't know this. He hunted beavers. He was a beaver trapper, yeah. a beaver trapper, I should say. They don't hunt them, per se. Anyway, that's how he made his, really, millions and then Manhattan real estate. But I keep coming back to Chapter 3 because I'm falling asleep during the, um, there's a, an opera house uh, uh, riot. And so I keep falling asleep. I don't know how I'm falling asleep in the riot, but so I keep going back to that. And I've been listening to it now for several weeks, and it's really interesting. It's um, uh, written by that CNN anchor who is related to the um, Vanderbilt family. Yes. And it's such, I mean, I love it. You probably already read it knowing you, but yeah. it's um, yeah, Anderson yeah. Anderson Cooper. And so yeah. anyway, it's a great book, but I don't go through them once a, uh, once a day like you do. It probably takes me at least a month, if not six weeks, because it's kind of my way to fall asleep. But I also find it a fascinating way to fall asleep because I feel like I'm learning about history as I fall asleep. Yeah, and it's it's fine, and I mean, you you might try speeding it up just a little bit if you can, and you know, I find if my mind's wandering too much, it's because it's not going fast enough. Oh, and, that's know, a you, good idea. You're going fast enough, you you don't have space to wander. You have to really focus on what you're doing, and Audible will let you do that. And since you mentioned the Audible, I I follow the New York Times bestseller list every week and and I check out their book review and there's a book coming out in March I got an advanced copy on and it, it's simply entitled James and uh, it is this guy went out and rewrote Huckleberry Finn from the perspective of the slave Jim oh. and it's called James and it will be out in March and it is magnificent. The only thing wrong with this book is I didn't think of it. That's what's wrong with that wow. book. Wow. Uh, okay, I'll get that one because I have four credits. It's I, expensive, Audible, but I, I have a hard time like giving up my credits, but I have a lot of credits right now. So, okay, I'll get that yeah. one. Hey, I wanted to mention one more thing since we're talking about your parents and, you know, your marriage and that great example your parents had, you know, uh, of a great marriage living into their 90s. Um, yeah. Your grandmother was also the, the grandmother that wanted to give you her eyes when she found out you were going blind. She thought she could somehow... Yeah you know, like medically give you her eyes after she watched her spring flowers bloom, then you were going to get them and you had to explain that, no, Grandma, you can't give me your eyes. Who's, whose mom was that? That was my father's mother. Her name was Eileen Stovall, and she lived in Springfield, Missouri, a little town there, and uh, and lived to a ripe old age. And she's the one that also gave me the golden list. And, That's uh, right. She uh, was an amazing lady. 
the golden list of all the things you're grateful for, that she'd hear your complaints after you wrote your golden list and then you didn't have complaints anymore. Now, so you not only had great parents, but from my understanding, you had really wonderful grandparents as well in general. Yes, I'm very, very fortunate. And then thankfully, three of the four of them lived long enough to where I got to know them really well. So it was, uh, it's really great. I mean, I remember my grandfather, my father's father, telling me, you know, you know, when I was uh, nine years old, I'm sitting in his living room, and, you know, he, he said, it's been an amazing life. He said, I was born in 1900, and I came to Missouri in a covered wagon, and now we're sitting in my air-conditioned house watching my color TV while a man lands on the moon. And he said, this has been an amazing life. And he lived another 25 years past that. And it was just, but to think, you know, a guy that all he knew was that he came to a new place in a covered wagon, and then he sits there and watches somebody land on the moon. I, I don't know of any other generation or time in the human experience when people have done something like that. I just think it's cool. I love hearing about your family and because mine was quite different from yours. Uh, it's yeah. neat that we travel in the same circles. And I believe because of my faith, maybe I did turn out more like you because I did have a foundation that wasn't necessarily like earthly through my parents, but that I had a good role model per se in learning about, you know, faith and being kind to others sure. and treating people as you'd like to be treated. So it's all good, Jim Stovall. Now we're in this, we travel in the same circles. Well, you know, as Gandhi said, everyone is my superior and that I can learn something from them. And, you know, there are people we learn, I want to be like them. And then there are people that you learn, wow, I want to be something other than that. And, oh. and you, you and I um, are on opposite ends of that, but we both learned uh, from our families. Uh, indeed. com. thank you, my friend. A real blessing to have you on every week. Be well. Canyon City is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT. Arc Thrift needs your small furniture and electronics donations now. You can donate that end table or folding chair you've been meaning to find a new home for. Smaller sized furniture that can fit in your trunk and home goods like blenders and air fryers are items that Arc badly needs right now. They make it easy by unloading your car and your donations help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The primary mission of Arc Thrift. ARC has high demand for small electronics like speakers, soundbars, Bluetooth speakers, and turntables. And once you donate, you can shop in the stores for your own treasured finds. Each ARC thrift location has over 5,000 new items every day. So there is always something new and exciting. Every ARC thrift store keeps their shelves fresh with new merchandise, so each new purchase will be special to you. ARC's donation centers are open from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Sunday donation hours are available as well. To find the nearest ARC Thrift Donation Center, go to arcthrift.com slash donations. Hey there, friend. Angie Austin and Grace Fox with the good news. We're talking about her fresh hope for today, Devotions for Joy on the Journey. And today we are talking about clinging to God. Hey, Grace, how are you? I'm good this morning, Angie. Thanks so much for having me on the show again. Still living in bliss on your uh, your boat in Vancouver? Oh, I'm still living on the boat. I don't know that I'd call it bliss because <laughs> <laughs> since we talked last, we had a uh, cold spell. So the big Arctic oh. front came in and swept down over us and 
things froze over. So we had ice on the river and we'd lay in bed at night and hear this thunk scrape across the hall. And that's the way life looked for about five days. But um, today is much better. The weather has warmed up. The ice is gone. The sun is shining again. And it's yeah, it's it's looking much more hopeful. <laughs> so when it gets that cold and you've got ice hitting against the hole, I'm assuming you can't sleep that well on those nights. Well, yeah, uh, depends on how fast the current is going on the river. Because if it's if it's very slow, then the ice will just kind of sit there. But if the current is going faster, that's when it really picks up those ice chunks and then it really scrapes and bangs. So. Yeah, it just depends on what's going on outside as to how we sleep at night. But uh, it'll never, our, our fiberglass is so thick that it'll never hit hard enough to blow a hole in the side of the <laughs> hole. But there are some wooden boats down here, and I fear for them. <laughs> now, are you, pardon me, are you, um, are you out like, um, I don't know, I don't know the terminology, but are you on like a rope that's anchored out in a bay, or are you at a dock? We're at a dock. In a yeah, slip. We're tied up to the dock. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that would, that would make me feel, I think a little more comfortable, but since you do have a boat that you're not worried about it being like the Titanic and sinking, then I guess that takes some of the worry away. We also had that Arctic blast and we, I think where we were for a volleyball tournament in um, Northeastern Colorado, I think it was 31 below one, mo- one morning. And so oh, I've got the, I've got the sneezes. And so, yeah, <laughs> the wind chill factor was probably 50 below. I don't know, but it felt it felt pretty chilly, so I wasn't a fan of that. But thankfully, I wasn't out, um, you know, on a, a boat in the river. Yeah. We didn't have minus 30 or minus 40. But for us in the Vancouver area, it got down to about minus 12. But that would be centigrade. Don't ask me to do the math off the top of my head on that. But <laughs> but I know that's below zero here. And it's, that's cold for where we are. I grew up in Alberta where minus 40 was typical for winter and it was that again during that arctic blast so i was very grateful when i'd go to bed at night i'd say thank you jesus because we have a a diesel furnace and we had three space heaters all running at the same time just to keep it warm enough for being comfortable inside but but we had that and for that i was grateful Burr, burr, burr. Okay, so yeah, I was wondering how you kept warm space heaters. All right, so you were clinging to God during those five cold nights with the ice uh, brushing up against the boat. So let's talk about this devotion, Cling to God. Yeah, so that idea came because uh, once, it would have been about a year after we got our boat, we took it down to the southern tip of Vancouver Island where we went to go visit family at one point. And during that time, I saw, as the tide went out, we could see more of the pilings as the water level went down. And on the pilings one morning, there were purple starfish, like clusters of purple starfish. They were stunning. They were absolutely stunning. And I, they were all different sizes. So there were, I would say, the grown-up starfish and then the baby starfish. And the little ones are just so cute, but all of them were clinging to the pilings. And I thought, wow, even as the water goes down, they don't just lose their grip and float along with the water. They stay firmly stuck to those pilings because they choose to, basically. You know, whatever, however their little brain works, they were choosing to cling to those pilings. And that's how life is for us, too. We, we need to choose what we're going to cling to. And if we choose to something that's going to give way we're going to give way with it. But if we choose to cling to something that will stand fast and firm, and that would be our God, 
then we too can be uh, steadfast, even when everything else around us gives way. I love that. I love that the visuals that you give with these. And I think so many times uh, we're so discombobulated that we forget to cling to God, that it doesn't come as naturally for us as that starfish visual. That's right. So we have to be intentional about it. But here's the thing, Angie, is if we get into a situation where things around us are falling apart and we haven't made a practice of clinging to God, then uh, it's going to be hard for us to just suddenly get to that place. And so that's why it's important to develop that lifestyle and that practice of focusing on God and loving Him and making Him our focus throughout the day so that when when the tough stuff happens, when those things start falling away, we are in that place of clinging to God. We're not left high and dry going, oh no, what are we going to do now? But we, we are prepared because we've been prepping ourselves over time. I love that. <clears throat> now, in terms of, you know, clinging to God, for for you, um, you know, you and your husband being in ministry and, you know, your kids were raised Christians and you spent a lot of quality time together and now the grandkids and all that time you get together. Do you, how do you teach that to like your grandkids or uh, how, how did you do that in your life when maybe it wasn't so easy? Mm-hmm. With my grandkids, the ones that I see most often, and I, I, I had them here on the boat for three days in the past, out of the past 10, four-year-old and two-year-old uh, in particular, they're just little. And so what I do with them, just to help them understand how much God loves them and how he's there for them and on their side, is I look for those little teachable moments. And so uh, there was one moment when... Uh, we were walking down the dock and saw four ducks. And um, we were discussing just how God made them so that they can float on that water that is so icy cold. Like, why do these birds float on the water? (laughs) They're happy. I just, I don't get it. But God made their feathers that way. He made them so that they can tolerate that cold. And so... We talked about how God, he made them with beaks a certain shape, too, and how he made woodpeckers with a beak a different shape because they, they need a pointy beak because they hammer on the, on the sides of a tree, you know, to get to the bugs inside. And, and we just had great conversations. Like, you know, well, how do they get the bugs out? And how do they eat them? And, you know, we just talked about God's masterful creation. And then we just, I can automatically turn that conversation to, and he made you special, too. Did you know how much he loves you? Do you have any idea that he is crazy in love with you? And they look at me and they go, yeah, grandma. You know, that's that's (laughs) so fun. So it's not like sitting down and and having this long formal teaching session. It's just looking for the teachable moments and directing their thoughts to the Lord and to spiritual truths. You you know, I love it that, you know, you put these sections in your devotions and there's the, you know, pause, ponder, pray. And then I love the the quote from the book, which I want to go over. But when in the ponder section, you say, uh, to what are you clinging for security? And for myself, I know that having grown up 
poor and without a solid family and, you know, low-income housing and, you know, brothers were using drugs. My dad had, you know, abandoned us for, we barely had any contact, I'd say 35 years, for 35 years. And so, um, and my mom working in a factory and not very educated, so I couldn't really lean on her for advice about college and school and in life. You know, she just wasn't the person that I leaned on. We were more like siblings. So I think I, um, I have been clinging to a self of a sense of independence that I was kind of an island that I only I could protect me from bad surroundings. And then secondly, uh, finances that I've always been really careful with my finances because I didn't want to be poor again. I didn't like that feeling of insecurity. Um, and so I think these are things that I have been that I have throughout my life clung to for security. And then I guess creating my own family, you know, that was more secure for my kids. And for me too, for that matter, they had created, you know, a secure family where I knew what we weren't going to get a divorce. I knew the kids would continue to have parents and, you know, um, things like that. Those are great observations, Angie. And I wonder how many listeners out there can just say, yeah, I can relate to that. Because it is our tendency, I think it's our human bent to cling to things that we can touch and see and uh, be a part of every day. But God is invisible, and so it it might be a little bit harder than for us, especially not raised in a, a Christian upbringing, to understand what it means to cling to God. But in the day and age that we live, it's just so important to understand that all that other stuff can just fall away at any given moment. And what's going to happen if we're clinging to something that's not eternal, we will be disappointed. And so there's nothing wrong with ensuring that your kids have a good family. It's everything right about that. Everything's right about that. And being intentional about that and being intentional with uh, being a wise steward of your finances. God, well, God wants us to be that way. And so, uh, but to absolutely cling to put all of our hope in God, because he will never go away. He will never disappoint or let us down. I I think about, too, like one of my daughters is named Faith and how it is that belief or trust in God that's not, well, that's without proof, per se, you know, or that you can't touch, you can't see, I guess would be a better way to explain it. You know, that it's something that you have within you, but there's not necessarily like, um, you know, something solid in front of you that you can see that Um, proves your faith. And many of us have had feelings over the years. And of course, we have the Bible and books like yours to help us in that path. But we have to have some of that faith, regardless of what we see around us. That's what faith is all about, isn't it? Yeah. It's trusting in things unseen. That's a mystery of it. Yes. It is. I, I think I, I wanted to read too. You've got um, Jennifer Rothschild's book. God is uh, is just not fair. Finding hope when life doesn't make sense. And the quote is: If God allows you to wrestle with Him, it's not so there will be a winner and a loser. He doesn't need to prove He's stronger and you are weaker. No, the point of wrestling with God is to give you an opportunity to cling to Him. God wants you to hang on to Him no matter what, and the result will be a blessing. I, I love that. Isn't that good? Some people will say, well, what is the point of suffering? If God really loved me, why would he allow this hard thing in my life? And there are so many things for which we don't have answers this side of heaven, but we can know this one thing for sure, that when he allows suffering, it's not that he's out to get us or anything like that, but that he's giving us that opportunity to get to know him in a deeper way, because it's in our pain and sorrow and grief and um, discomfort 
we turn to him and we say, what is it you're trying to teach me through this? He will answer and he will show us more of himself and show us more eternal truths that we can live by. We will grow deeper and stronger and more steadfast in him as a result of suffering. In the, in the prayer section, you talk about, um, it says, God, loosen my grip on anything that prevents me from clinging to you as my sole source of win- wi- wisdom, strength, joy, and peace. So is it okay, do you think, Grace, for me to have those things that I also um, count on or lean on or want to make sure that I have, like, you know, the family and the financial security and things like that, but above all, you know, to um, focus more on getting my... Um, you know, clinging to God for my peace and security, and those other things can be there but be secondary? Absolutely. And it's like saying, God, thank you for my family, and thank you for the financial security that you've given me, and thank you that I have a marriage that gives my kids a sense of security and, and whatnot. But I just leave all of these things in an open hand because I love you more. I love you more. But thank you for these gifts. I appreciate them. Well, if people want to find you, Fresh Hope for Today, Devotions for Joy on the Journey, um, you can pretty much get your book anywhere, um, Amazon. I know I got um, a copy. I think it was a Kindle version, too. And then, of course, you've sent me copies. And you can also go to gracefox.com. Thank you, Grace. You bet. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.